Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from all around the world, episode 83 of The Inner League, brought to you by Alex and Chris. In today's episode, we talk baseball, spring training baseball, fantasy baseball, Albert Pujols baseball, and probably some more baseball. But we're probably just going to talk about baseball mainly. So sit back, relax. Tighten that seatbelt, slap it into fifth gear. We're going 60 down the road right now. Bring you the inner league. Spags, welcome back. What's up? I Only never know. On Tuesdays, I bring in my intro that it's a Tuesday, so it's a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I never know where you're going to go with those. Neither do I, so it's fun. It's great. Like, I'm just, like, letting you, letting you riff, see where it's at. I literally... Had zero clue what I was going to do until, like, you went silent. And then I just, like, kind of, <laughs> how it started is just how it how started. It, it's, yeah, how it started. You know, you know it's, uh, some are better than others. Yep. But for those tuning in, you get a unique, a unique intro every week. So, yeah. Maybe it's worth tuning yeah, in just, to, like, just for that. Somewhat of a same intro. Maybe, like, eventually I'll go listen to all the intros. I like put them together and make like one like sound bited intro out of you know a hundred intros or something. <laughs> you know I'm probably two. It's episode eighty three, so episode a hundred probably too much work for me. Um, but you never know. You know goals, hey. life goals. I also want a donut shop, and you ain't seen me <laughs> running one of those yet. So zero. Zero judgment here. You do you. I'm fine with whatever. I I think what you've been doing has worked for 83 episodes. I think it can work for 83 more. Um, intros all you. That's why I'm um, here. I'm glad that you called attention that we're going to be talking about baseball because I know that that's different from what we usually do. Yeah, true. But, but you know that's that's well, where we'll be at. Draft day podcast name draft day. You might think we're talking about football. Football movies, Kevin Costner, Waterworld, Robin Hood. Uh, yeah, Robin Hood. <laughs> uh, but whenever I think about Rob, like live Robin Hood, I then just think about Robin Hood Mid Tights. You know? Yeah. Robin Hood, the Kevin Costner movie is good, but not but as not good as Robin, Robin Hood Mid Tights. Yeah, at it's all. Not... I, so. They're men. Yeah. They're men in tights. Yeah, dude, the episode, the scene with Big John and they're like stick fighting is just. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I can't swim. I can't swim. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a foot of water. Stand, uh, stand up. Uh, <laughs> Dave Chappelle at his finest. Yeah, a chew. Yeah. Well, that's a chew. Oh, bless you. <laughs> uh, uh, what is the other guy's name? Blinken? Yeah. The hey, Blinken. Guy? Did you say A. Blinken? <laughs> no, nah, man. I said, hey, Blinken. <laughs> oh, man. Ridiculous. Ugh. But, yeah. <laughs> so, if you haven't seen Robert Benetites, go check it out. Nope. Yep. You heard it here first. No spoilers. Spoiler alert. Yeah, we should have said spoiler. Damn. <laughs> no. Uh, when a movie's been out... Free on YouTube right now. I think it's YouTube just released like 700 like shows and movies um, for free. So I think uh, it's part of one of those. Nice. Yeah, when when a movie, 
I feel like when a movie's been out for, like, I don't know, a year, maybe two years tops, I think it's fair game to talk about it freely without needing to say spoiler alert. Um, yeah, that's fair. You know, at this point, I mean, I don't even know. Robin Mentites is closer to, like, one or two decades. So I definitely think it's fair. Um, so we know Robin Hood. Yeah, nineteen ninety three. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna guess later in the nineties than that, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but still nineties. So I feel like you could talk about it pretty freely. And if someone's like, "Oh man, you spoiled it," like, yeah, it's because you on. don't know what it is because you're not of the age group to know that it was a movie, and you've not done your due diligence in your theatrical movie watching your parents pretty much failed you you know they weren't yeah, like hey uh... you know, this is a movie i liked as a kid i think you're gonna find it interesting it was a good one you know i've picked i've remembered in my brain a handful of them throughout my time you know you gotta share those ones with your child make sure they they know yeah yeah i think that that's that's part of it you know sharing that nostalgia like i'm i would imagine that you know as as Harper gets older, you know, the new baby gets older, um, it'll be like, this was nostalgic for me. Like, this is what I watched when I was, you know, eight years old. Or, hey, here's the cartoons that I watched on Saturday mornings when I was growing up. Like, I think that getting to share some of that stuff and the fact that it's so easy to share some of that stuff now, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, true. <clears throat> like, could you imagine if the only way you could share Robin Hood men and tights with somebody is if you had a VCR still and like it just only existed on VHS and it was never updated anywhere else. And like, that was just the only way you could watch it was VHS. I one time watched a nine hour movie, uh, on VHS. I think it was on maybe two VHSs at least. Um, and we watched it. We got it at a garage sale and uh my cousin and i had just installed the like indoor outdoor carpet on my grandparents deck so we wheeled like a old television out there and we were gonna like sleep on it for some dumb reason because you're kids at night kids, but uh, we watched that movie sleep literally outside all night. great yeah that's what we did all night was just watch that movie on that deck all night my grandma woke up made breakfast and passed out so and it was like i can't even remember what the movie was called but <laughs> No reason for it to be nine hours. It was some night tale movie, you know. So. Right. <clears throat> yeah. It wasn't Robin Hood Men in Tights. It was no, not Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> yeah. It was four showings of Titanic. Probably couldn't probably couldn't watch Titanic four times. And it's probably like two and a half, three showings of Titanic for nine hours. <clears throat> but anyway, movie podcast is a. Uh, a different night. Yeah, every every other Thursday at midnight. Midnight sure. movie mania. That's the name sure. of that sure podcast. Normal Tuesday podcast. Yeah. So we got it confused. We had to skip it this week. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know. There, I feel like there isn't much to talk about, but at the same time, there is stuff to talk about. It's uh, it's kind of this weird, like, uh, like this weird like in between aspect. Some starters are playing, some guys are getting 
time to see if they're going to fill spots. You can't really make too much judgment because everyone's working on something different. So, like I think we said, you said it before, like, you're looking at, like, walks. Are we walking guys? Are we striking out as hitters? Like, are we just, like, the small things of baseball? Are you, like, coming into the season on a bad note? Um, we're good note. Right. Um, you know, and it's like, you're starting to see like larger sample sizes where, you know, guys have like 15 to 20 at bats. Um, and so you're like, all right, like, is this a trend? Like, is it just not there yet? Um, you know, you're like for the Cardinals, especially you just aren't seeing like a ton of power. Um, I think they have like seven or eight home runs, like all spring. I think it's at seven. Um, now granted they're from, the guys you expect. Um, so you're like, all right, like, is there, is there anything to be said from that? Like, you know, um, like Goldschmidt, for example, only has three extra base hits, um, in 15 at bats. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say only has three, but he has three extra base hits. Two of them are home runs and he's hitting 400. So it's like, all right, like, he seems to be in pretty good form. Like, if he were to do that, like that's MVP ask, you know, like if he's hitting two home runs every 15 at bats, that that's going to be pretty good numbers. Um, you know, granted, it's well, been in seven games, but they're not playing full games. So that's why I just look at the at bats. Um, but that's, you know, that's five, four and four plus games, four to five games. He's hitting two home runs. So, I mean, that's, it, it's pretty, pretty solid numbers. I mean, that'll, probably break some records i i would guess if he's hitting a home run every other game yeah good or uh good or bad right he can opt out again well that's arenado that's arenado i don't think goldschmidt has any opt-outs oh he said those were arenado's numbers no no no, those are goldschmidt numbers but that's what Uh, i'm gonna say so on the on the flip side like arenado has you know kind of the same four hits 16 at bats hitting 250 not some the average seems way worse but it really isn't just a, a hit here or there home run and a double four rbis carlson up there as well hitting 313 you know five hits and 16 at bats home run and a double so those guys are doing what you kind of expect um bader also up there you know not really the power numbers um but they're all striking out on a pr- pretty uh i guess a little higher than I would anticipate um, clip, but Bader has a, an extra base hit. You know, DeYoung has a couple extra base hits, um, but they're all doubles. Um, DeYoung's also hitting like over 350. But then there's a couple other guys that like you start to look at that have, you know, that you hope are going to help out a lot. Like Tommy Edmond, one for 16 in spring with three strikeouts. I can, I just think like one for 16 is kind of an issue for Edmund. You don't worry so much about like the home run or power numbers being there, but him being a contact hitter is kind of what you expect. Again, not striking out a bunch, but it's like, I not, not knowing like, is he getting unlucky? Is he hitting the ball hard at people? Is he taking productive at bats? Like, uh, like it's really hard to see that in the numbers, but those are the things that like are cause for concern for me. Um, Newt Barr striking out in a third of his at bats. 
um, O'Neill striking out in a fourth of his at-bats. Sosa striking out in almost half of his at-bats. Um, like, those are the things that's like, all right, like, this could be, this could get sketchy, you know, if this kind of continues. Um, I still don't know. It's, I don't think Molina has played in a game yet, has he? Has he made his uh, debut? He was, all right, he did. Yeah, he was yeah, supposed he to play. Uh, he was catch Wainwright uh, yeah. Monday yesterday. Yeah, it looks like it's just one game, two at-bats. Nothing doing there. Yeah. Um, so the hitting it it's fine. Like, is it like is it amazing? No. Is it cause for great concern? Probably not yet, in my opinion. Um, you know, there could be some trends that you're you know that you're like ah uh, this is this is kind of concerning, but at the same time, you're not really worried about it. Um. So the the other side though, on the pitching side, I think that there's more cause for concern with who they're giving innings to. Um, Cause I'm not really certain. Like I feel like they have a lot of uncertainty and it's like Wayno has pitched 10 innings in spring already across three games. Now granted it needs like, they got to ramp up pretty quick. And 10 innings over three games doesn't seem like a lot. But the next closest guy has only pitched five. So it's like if they feel that Wainwright needs to ramp up and get his innings pitched at, you know, what what is he, 40, 41? You know, 39, I don't know, old, old in baseball years. Mm-hmm. So if they're like, he needs to ramp up and he needs to get his innings in, they're like, why aren't they doing the same thing with, like, Mats and Hudson and Michaelis, like obviously, uh, Flaherty's hurt, but like, you know, Michaelis has only only pitched in one game, went two innings, and that's it. And they're what spring training started twelve days ago, so they're almost two weeks into spring, and Michaelis has pitched two innings against you know live hitters. You know, not to say that he's not yeah. working outside of that, but it just seems really odd that they're. Like that, there's so many other guys that they are getting innings pitched to. Like, it's something like, like looking at this, like there are 29 guys that have pitched in spring training at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of other teams though, and I mean, pretty much everyone has maxed out at five innings pitched so far. Almost every team that I've looked at, the max person is at five. The Blue Jays just had someone at seven. The um, Whoever Eduardo Rodriguez pitches for, uh, had, everyone Boston, had five except him because he had uh, – I think he got traded. He was – Maybe he did. Team did I just click on? But he had he had 13 already. Everyone else, the max was five. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't a – we were talking about with the Cardinals, but I, I find it odd that it's like that – for most teams. Cause like, I know the Yankees are the same way. Like I know they don't have anyone that's thrown over five innings. Um, and it, it is, it is odd to me. I mean, like, I guess the saving grace and somewhat is like the guy that you would, you know, that you don't see up there is like, uh, Garrett Cole. Like, I think he's only thrown a couple of innings and you're like, cool, like you're you're gonna do your work, you're gonna work on your pitches, like we don't need you to go out there and get beat up. Um, 
you know, which he did in his one start. Like, he gave up a couple home runs, which has been his issue in the past. But again, spring training, not, not a big deal. Uh, but it's like Luis Heal, Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt, Michael King. Like, those are the guys that you're like, all right, can we conceivably get you a spot in the rotation? You know, like Severino's having some issues. Uh, Domingo Herman's opening the year on the IL. Um, so, you know, Severino like, has already thrown uh, a couple innings. But then you have, like, Montgomery that's pitched on, like, three and two-thirds. Um, and then it's, like, a lot of your relief guys. Jonathan Loisega, Clay Holmes, Chad Green, Albert Abreu, uh, Wadi Peralta. Like, those guys are all, like, three or four innings. So it's at least spread out among the guys that you think are likely going to get major league innings and you're fighting a playoff. Like you're, you're fighting for starting position spots. Whereas on the Cardinal side with now, not looking at everybody else, it's like Aaron Brooks getting a bunch of innings. Um, they've given looks to like Woodford, Aviato and Libertor, but they've openly like Libertor is not even on the 40 man roster. So are you going to bump someone off and make them clear waivers? You know, like you just had to designate someone for assignment to make room for Pujols. Like, are you gonna are you gonna clear off someone else? Um, like to to have this spot open up. Um, <clears throat> so it just it's it's interesting to me. Like, it seems like there might be some sort of rotation battle, but at face value, you have like Wayno, Michaelis, um, Mats, Hudson. And then an unknown for the fifth because Flaherty is unknown. I think he's going to – like, they're wrestling him for, like, two weeks or whatever. Odds are he's going to be hurt to start the year. So they do have that someone. <clears throat> so maybe maybe that's what it is. But I, I don't I don't know. It just – it seems – it seems odd. Like, I don't know much about, like – Again, it just seems to drop off pretty hard, mainly because Wayno's up there. So maybe that's why it throws it off is just because Wayno's thrown so many innings so far compared yeah. to the norm that seems to be the case across spring training um, being like a double the innings, which, I mean, I guess if he's – it doesn't even look like he's pitching that well. Like, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Like, certainly not the numbers you would hope to see from Wainwright as an ace, like if it's this for the regular season, you probably wouldn't be very happy with them, but you know, they're, they're not, again, it's not stats. Are certainly not the end all be all. Yeah. Yeah. Giving up a lot of hits, giving up nine hits already. And then the big one, the three home runs, um, you can't be letting up home runs, um, giving up no walks though in 10 innings. Um, so, you know, he's fighting, uh, just losing. Yeah, and and I would imagine it'll, it'll take some time to get a feel for his pitches. Like, I get he's been doing this forever, um, so maybe it shouldn't take him as long. But, you know, his name, much like Garrett Cole, was thrown around with all the spider tack stuff. So maybe this is his first offseason trying to adjust to, like, a new grip or a new approach. Um, something along those lines. Who knows? Um and I know his, like I said, I know his name got brought up, but that, that it may not matter at all. Like it seemed, seemed like it affected a lot of people, but Wayno had pretty solid numbers last year. 
throughout. I mean, not that Cole didn't, but it seemed like it took him a minute to kind of figure things out. So clearly something had to change. <clears throat> but but we'll see. Um, on the on the hitting side for the Yankees, man, they've just been on a tear lately. Like they've had 16 guys hit home runs <laughs> in spring training. Yeah, watch the Marlon Gonzalez home run today. Yeah, he's having a a pretty strong, pretty strong spring. Higashioka's looking great at the plate so far. He's leading the team in home runs. He's got four on the year, or four in spring training. Um, like Donaldson, Judge, Stanton, Torres, I'll have two, and then Andujar, Oswaldo Cabrera. Um, LeMahieu, Gallo, they all have one, and then a whole bunch of young guys. I know Max Burt hit a grand slam today. Nice. It's his only hit of the spring, <laughs> but he hit a, hit a grand oh slam. Oh, my God. You guys have someone on your team named Ender? Yeah, Ender. Yeah, Ender Enciarte. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, – I, I actually was a big fan of, like, that signing. Um, so I think they just signed him to, like, a minor league contract. But he was, the, like – at one point was, like, kind of the – the expected like center fielder. Um, and I think like, I think that's kind of who gave way to Acuna to be in center field. Um, or he might've been there and like Acuna was in right. Um, but I think he just like had, like he was like stellar one year and then just sort of dropped off the face of the earth. Like I'm taking a look um, at his stats now. Yeah. So it's like 2016, 2017. He was like, hitting oh and and 2015 it's like those three years he was like over like hitting around 300 um 20 stolen bases or so you know a, a 25 doubles type guy not a ton of power but just walk in getting on base scored a decent amount of runs you know it was in like the 70s 80s was at 93 in 2017 um and then just I don't know if he got hurt in 2019 or if he just wasn't producing, but kind of fell off a bit and then just never really had, like never really got his, his full spot back. And I know the, the pandemic year was just terrible. Um, and I think that that's what saw him really lose the bulk of his playing time. Cause he hit like 190. Um, and I think Atlanta released him last year, like pretty early on. He won a championship, so. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think he he probably still got a ring mm-hmm. for last year. Uh, because he was on the squad? Yeah. Nice, dude. You think you go around telling people you're a World Series champion? Um, oh, me? Hell yeah. <laughs> but, Hell yeah. But... But I'm I'm on the team. I'm never gonna have a chance. So every win counts. So I'm never gonna have a chance as a player. Yeah. So they. Yeah, it looks like the the Braves released them like end of July. The Reds picked him up, and then he just never did anything and they dropped him like end of August and then the Yankees signed him in the off season and he's, he's having, I think I want to say his numbers are, 
are okay in the spring so far. Um, maybe. I don't really know. Looking at them now. I think that there's just a pretty... It's a pretty jam-packed outfield. So I don't, I don't know that it'll end up being anything. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing special. Four hits, two doubles. Stolen base. Hitting like 230. <clears throat> but you just have Gallo, Hicks, and Judge out in the outfield. You have Stanton that can play an <laughs> outfield spot. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the Cardinals, a little wrapped up in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, and then on... On top of that, like you could see, like Miguel and Duhar taking away playing time, you know, playing out in left field. Um, they have this uh, Michael Beltre that I think is like more like I don't I don't really know if you'd consider him like a prospect. I think he's like 25, 26, um, but he's been in there like he's just been in the minors for a couple years, like a while. Um, so it's like he could, you know, they could take a flyer and like him getting some time. I know his name has been thrown around a lot, but then even like other guys that have already gotten playing time, uh, Tim LaCastro, Ryan Lamar, uh, Estevan Floreal, <clears throat> um, like those are all guys that played outfield innings last year. Um, I think Isaiah Kiner-Falefa can play outfield a little bit. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez obviously can play the outfield um, and he's having uh, a pretty strong, I know they have him marked as like first base, but I think he just plays everywhere. Like I'm going to go look like yeah. his fielding. His stance. designation was, yeah. Ever, uh, I think his designation is everywhere as well. Yeah. So in, yeah. So he played first, second, third. Um, so he, he played he split time between Boston and Houston last year. He played They're two favorite teams. <laughs> yeah. Gross. I hate Marlon Gonzalez. I have I've yeah. had an issue I've had an issue with him previously, uh, because he was in Houston during the whole nonsense of them, like where it is known that they were stealing signs and cheating. Um, and he turned it into a fat contract in Minnesota and his numbers dropped off the face of the earth. Um, so I've, I've always kind of had a sour spot for Marwin Gonzalez, but I will, <clears throat> he can come do well for my team, but I'm going to be real critical of him when he sucks. I just won't give him a lot of credit at all. A lot like Josh Donaldson this year. Um, so I hope Josh Donaldson <laughs> does great, but when he does great, I'm not going to give him any props. And when he fucks up, I'm going to tear him a new one and it's unfair of me and I'm an asshole for it. But Hey, that's the way I live my life. Um, but yeah, hey, you're playing it honestly. <laughs> so in 2021, between Boston and Houston, he played 17 games at first base, 39 games at second base, 11 games at third, 12 games at shortstop, 12 games in left field, two games in right field, and two games as a DH. He also pitched in a game, one inning. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so he played everywhere on the infield and two outfield positions. Um, and it's not rare. I mean, in 2020 and the pandemic shortened year, he played 14 games at first, 21 at second, 23 at third and eight in right field. So in 60 games, he still played four positions. 
and he played them, you know, almost 10 games apiece. So it's a, a relatively even split. So I, I like his versatility. I'm, I'm a fan of in that regard. Um, he's also a switch hitter, which you know how I feel about those. Like there are a lot of things that I think that there are to like about him. I just don't like that. He was one of the guys that like took being shitty in Houston and tearing it up in 2017 and 2018 and turn it into this fat contract. And there was like just no repercussions from it whatsoever. Um, like when you go from hitting 303, sorry, not 2018, but 2017, when you go from hitting 303 in 2017 to 247 in 2018, mind you, he had never hit above 280 in any any of his previous careers. So he was like, 2017 was like a career high average by 20 plus points. Um, and then, oh, now they're not cheating so much. And then he was gone before, you know, 2019 came into play. He already signed his deal in Minnesota. And he just didn't really do anything there. Like, he hit 211 in 2020. He hit 199 last year. So, it's a it's a lottery pick type signing. But I, I like his odds of making the team strictly because he plays every position. So, it it gives you a lot of flexibility to move things around um, late in the game. Like you can pinch run for a lot of people. Um, Not that I don't think he has a ton of speed, but like looking at like his stolen base numbers, I mean, he's never really been a base stealer, but I imagine he's quicker than, you know, well, I, I guess like they got rid of a lot of guys that are, slow i mean stanton doesn't really have a ton of speed but i mean i think judge moves pretty quickly gallo's got some speed maybe rizzo probably could be a pinch run option lemayhu you probably pinch run for him so or you just hit the home run and bring him in you know right so yeah so anyway favorite part of the game so i where I don't, I didn't mind the Ender and Ciarte pick. I don't think he'll have a spot on the club. If he's willing to stick around in AAA, then he could easily be a call up. Like if he does well there, and I hope that that's what they're able to work out. <clears throat> I just find it hard to believe, like when you have teams out there like Cincinnati and Pittsburgh not paying their players shit, you know that he could easily agree to some minor league contract league minimum type deal and probably be their everyday starting center fielder or at least a starting outfielder for their team and get every day at bats. So I think if he doesn't make the club, his time with the Yankees is probably going to be short-lived. Which you won't be mad about. Nope. I mean, it. like I said, it would be great. Like I think it adds a, a good piece of depth. But oh, I was like, well, make you place on injured list, but that was last year. Yeah, Herman injured, Rortvet injured, which Agashioka is making that irrelevant. 
because if he hits even remotely close to what he's doing right now in spring, it'll be his starting spot all year. Um, let's see what Flaherty was shut down for two weeks. And that was like ten days ago. So, uh, yeah, was it ten days ago? Yeah, ten, nine, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think this article is like the eighteenth. So, somewhere in that time frame. Um, I think Reyes is already on the IL. I think they put him on the 60-day IL. Oh, did they go to the 60? I didn't see that. I think so, because I, I think you have to move him to the 60-day IL to not take up a 40-man roster, roster spot. spot. Gotcha. Um, so then they could add someone to the 40-man roster. And yeah, so it looks like he's on the 60-day IL. But I don't know how that works. Like, I don't know if it's, like, 60 days and it starts from, like, the time he's placed on the 60-day IL. Or, like, if it can be backdated to, like, say he didn't pitch in spring training at all. Like, he never entered a spring training game. Um, does that, like, can they just go back to, like, when pitchers and catchers reported? Um, I don't really know how injuries work or like, does this IL time not start until the season starts? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I'm not certain what that means for Ferez and how long he's out. Um, and then I think the only other thing that I've seen mentioned was Gorman's back stiffness. That was from Monday, but I think he got into the game today, maybe, or they didn't play today. Um, yeah, didn't play today. Yeah, so I think he was scratched Monday, but I think he was available. I think they were saying that he'd likely be available like off the bench tomorrow, um, or like maybe even in like the the game he was scratched. Like it didn't seem like it was this huge ordeal. I mean, does uh, Nolan Gorman even make the club? right off the bat with, um uh, i think i think with the pool uh, signing probably not yeah, that's what i'm thinking the yep is definitely not um gorman i think it makes it very hard um i mean unless you're not going to bring sosa up but then you're what are you going to do at like back up to short or second or anything like that so i don't yeah because uh, so i think you're limit your options yeah, so I think we – so so the only thing I guess it throws a wrench in is that if they – because the first month they get to have 28 players, and I, or True. I guess maybe it's like the first three weeks. So I think it's just April that they get to have 28 players, and, you know, the first week of April there are no games. So I guess like the first three weeks, it might be the first four weeks of the season, whatever. But they get 28 guys, so maybe there's the possibility that they, they do for that. At the same time, I would imagine if, like, that there's still going to be some gamesmanship, that if they start Gorman's clock, the game plan would be to have him stay up, unless, like, he's absolutely terrible. So I would only think that he would they would plan to have him up if they're going to use him on a regular basis. Um, and I don't know that that will really ever be the case until there's an injury. Um, but you figure... 
even if they carry, say they split it 14 and 14, like just going through the math, you know they're going to have Molina and Kisner, so that brings you to 12. You know you're going to have uh, Goldschmidt, Edmund, uh, DeYoung, and Arenado, so that brings you to 8. You know you're going to have O'Neal, Carlson, and Bader, so that brings you to 5. So you have the five bench spots that you can get away with. Um, Pujols is going to be one of those because you didn't sign him to a two and a half million dollar deal to not utilize him, you know, to not have him on the roster. Uh, I think Dickerson's going to be one of those. So, you know, because there's a strong possibility that he DHs against righties as the left-handed at bat and Pujols will DH against lefties as a right-handed at bat. That's the talk. Um, I think you then you have your like you said like your your injury type guys that have multiple position capability. Um, so like your natural fourth outfielder in Newt Bar, even though Dickerson could play the outfield. Um, and then Sosa being the guy that can kind of fill in around. So if those two go, you have one spot left, and I think that it would it'll likely be between. Um, I think it'll, it will likely go to Yepes would be my expectation. Um, I know they've been given like Brendan Donovan a look. Um, there's also the possibility that they carry a third catcher, um, or the possibility that they just carry 15 pitchers, you know, with it being early on, maybe they don't want to tax guys arms early and they want to have that capability. Um, and just looking through it, Gorman also isn't on the 40 man roster, so if you move him to the 40-man roster, you have to clear a spot for somebody else. Or, like, you would have to, like, move some, you'd have to DFA somebody to clear a spot for Gorman. So that's probably the biggest thing against him, is that he's not on the 40-man roster. Whereas Donovan and Yepes are. <clears throat> but my expectations would be when it drops down to 26-man, whoever that other player is, and Yepes or Donovan, if they go with 14, um, is likely who would get dropped, or Newbar. Yeah, Newbar seems to be. Uh, I mean, with especially with the signing of Corey Dexter, Dickerson, I don't think there's like it's not that Lars Newbar hits. Uh, like lefties or righties better than probably Corey Dickerson will. So he seems to be an easy expense. Um, I just, so you know, log jamming guys of like, no, not playing time again. Um, so my thoughts with Newt bar is that they don't, I don't think the Otani rule is in effect for this year. I think it's something that they're talking about. It being added in for 2023 and, um, so basically like, I think it, and maybe it wouldn't even impact this thinking about it. Cause I think it's like, if you have, um, it's like the Atani rules, like if a player is listed as a starting pitcher and he's also assigned to the DH spot, when they leave the game as a pitcher, they can remain in the game as a DH still. Um, so I don't think it would come into effect in the scenario that I'm thinking of, um, but so what new bar allows you to do is if you have say your normal run of the mill is O'Neill and left, Bader and center, Carlson and right, and Dickerson DHing, 
if something happened and you wanted to put Dickerson into like if one of those guys went down in the outfield and you wanted Dickerson to enter the game on defense, you have to give up your DH spot and your pitchers have to hit, which isn't the end of the world. But if you have Newt Bar on your bench, you don't have to lose your DH spot. Like you can just slot Newt Bar into the outfield. So you probably still want to carry a fourth outfielder if Dickerson's going to be your everyday DH against right-handed pitchers, which are going to be a bulk of what you face. So I, I would imagine it's probably close to like 66% of games are started by right-handed pitchers. And it should, like, if you're the Cardinals, it's like 100%. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> the uh, the Dodgers used him in the same fashion. I think it was something like he had 131 plate appearances. Uh, and it was and it was what maybe half the season because he was with the Angels yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, and so obviously that skews it because they had a DH every game. Yeah, and so from my understanding, is the I I didn't go look at the numbers myself but apparently he just like crushes lefties still let's see um, yeah he had i know he had pretty solid numbers against him um last year i think the other side of it too is that bellinger was so terrible against lefties so it worked out you know that he that he would be there um, so again, it's not, it's not that I don't think with the Dodgers, you know, like they had a good team around them. Right. Like you had to pitch to old Albert Pujols. Like, what was he going to do? Kill you on the base pass? If we got on, you know, like, could he hit a home run? Maybe, but like, so could everyone else on the Dodgers. Like, so yeah, it'll be interesting to me, like where they plan to utilize him in the lineup. Hmm. Three, um, baby. Three or four, <laughs> baby. Because, you know, dude, you got to get them Pujols jerseys out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, top of the lineup. Ali Marmol, dude, getting creative. Top of the lineup. Get him in that two-hole, baby. Um, mm. But, yeah, so it'll Imagine be... what Mike Schultz thinking right now. Do you think Mike Schultz been like, oh, cool, you get Pujols, I get fucking Carpenter? Cool. Right. Tight. Yeah, I wonder how okay. great how great would it be if, like, the philosophical differences were like Mike Schilt was wanting to bring back pools and they were like, no, like we're moving forward with the kids. And then when they ended up like then with the lockout taking place and things just changing up and then being like, now nah, we're, we're, we're going to go. Yeah. We're going to, let's just hit them with the nostalgia because we're not going to spend any money this off season, which is basically exactly what happened. Um, you know, they brought in Dickerson and Steven Matz. And other than that, like this team is pretty similar look to what it was last year. Yeah. And, and again, not that they, not that they're bad. Like, I think that they're going to play above 500. I think that they'll compete in the NL central. Cause it's a fucking joke, but I mean, they could win anywhere between 85 and 95 games. I, I will take that. I mean, shit, they had a better record last year than the Braves and the Braves won the world series. So can can they compete? Sure. Um, do I think that they're gonna compete for like a title? Probably not. Like I don't think they really match up well with like the Dodgers. I don't think they match up well with the Giants. Um, I think the Mets are gonna be a very good team. Um, 
and I think in the playoffs, the Mets are going to be disgusting. Because uh, you figure, like, in a seven-game playoff series, you're going to see DeGrom and Scherzer twice. Like, both of them twice. Yeah. Um, that's stupid. Uh, they're, like, the Mets, like, with all of their additions, the Mets went from having Taiwan Walker as, like, their number two last year to their number five. Um, I still think the Braves are going to be a pretty good team. Like, I get that they lost Freddie Freeman, but they're going to, ideally, they'll have a healthy Acuna all year. Um, and they added Matt Olson, so it's not like they don't have a really good first baseman. His, his name is not Freddie Freeman. Sure. Um, and then on the AL side, I really don't know who's going to who's gonna compete with the Blue Jays. That team scares the living shit out of me. Um, like, that lineup's so disgusting. But... <clears throat> I mean, the the Red Sox have the capability of being a good team. The Rays have the capability of being a really good team. The Yankees have a capability of being a really good team. Um, I don't think like the Twins upgraded a lot, but I feel like and I think the Royals got much better than what they were. Um, I think the Guardians are still probably a couple a year or two away from competing again, um, but I still think the Central is going to belong to the White Sox. Um, their yeah. team isn't much different than what it was last year. Um, and they're oh, still going to be, fun. yeah, they're still going to be rocking. Uh, I think Rodon left. I think, I don't think Carlos Rodon is in are in with the White Sox anymore. Maybe I could be wrong. He might still be there. Uh, no, yeah, he went to San Francisco, but they still have Keuchel, Lynn, Giolito, like still pretty good three. Um, I could see them also making like they them potentially landing like either Frankie Mataz or Sean Manaya out of Oakland because I expect both of them to get traded. Um, and then I don't I don't know who's going to compete with the Astros. Maybe the Mariners. You know, and there are nine outfield are there nine infielders that should probably all start somewhere, but they signed a bunch. Uh, maybe the Rangers with their new shortstops. Who knows? Um, probably not. But probably not. So probably not. But again, like when I so when I think about it, like the the Cardinals to me, they feel like a further outside shot than a lot of the teams that I just named. Like even when we're like, oh, the Rangers. Like well, the the Rangers. Uh, like I could see them hanging with the Cardinals, but they probably won't win their division. So they, they probably won't make the playoffs. Cause I think both wild cards are probably going to come out of the AL East. I don't even remember, like, I don't, did they change it to 12 teams going to the playoffs this year? Are there three wild cards? Uh, do they have more playoff teams? Yeah, yeah. I think there's more playoff teams. Have they announced like what that format looks like or anything? I haven't looked at any of this stuff yet. I haven't really looked I, at Yeah, it. I was, I was hoping that they would just like put out an article out that's like, here's all the things that changed that you need to know with this new CBA. And yeah, I just haven't seen new... anything. Oh, here we go. What the new 12-team MLB playoffs will look like and how it would have looked in recent years. Uh, let's see if I can just find a quick. Yeah, I just want to know how the wild cards work. So I'm, there's still three divisions. 
So I'm assuming <laughs> it'll be the three division winners. And then I just need to know if it's like the the second place team from every division or if it's like the next three best teams that go as a wild card. Because if it's the next three best teams, I still think all of the wild cards are going to come out of the AL East. Like, I think the AL East will send four teams to the playoffs if they can. Yeah, that's not a good article about what the extra teams are. But, yeah, let's see. That shouldn't be just. This shouldn't be just a hard Google uh, question, you know. What are the what to know? Twelve team format. There will be six playoff teams per league. The three division winners and three wild cards. Okay. They will be seated as follows: one seed, best overall record; two seed, second best; third seed, three. Four through six, three best records among non-division winners in order of record. The top two seeds will get a bye in the divisional round. Okay, so. that and that's what I kind of anticipated that you would get. Um, there just wouldn't be a best of five that you have to play, and there's no more single elimination wild card game. Um, so the division series will be. Um, or I or I guess maybe they might have it be like a wild card round and it would just be two one game playoffs and then you play a best of five and then a best of seven for the LCS and best of seven for the World Series. But I feel like they've always wanted to avoid winning your division and then being forced into a one game playoff. So I, I feel like it'll be, you know, you'll have... Uh, but, or maybe it'll be like a best of three. I don't know. Oh, the... I didn't see that. I did close it on me. No, it's all good. So, yeah, so just how... However, I just need to know the number of games in each series if it specifies that. It's my curiosity. <clears throat> <laughs> So I know they talked a lot about like different different aspects that it could go. Um, I also think that it's uh, it's going to be like a situation where they need to do away with three divisions. I think they're going to need like I think if they want to stick with six teams, it's probably going to be you know they need to move it to. Um, two divisions again it's like they're just be like um an east and west in the american league and an east and west in the national league like there used to be and then your two division winners would just be who gets a buy and it would be like the two division winners get a buy the second place team in each division hosts like is the upper seed in that first round and then it's the two next best teams after that so if you finish first or second you're guaranteed to go uh, let's see. They'll the lowest seeded division winner and the three wild card teams, each seeded accordingly to the regular season record, will play a best of three wild card round with the higher seed hosting all three games. Okay. 
the tiebreaker game, aka game 163, was also eliminated from playoff spots, now determined through tiebreaker formulas. Interesting. The division series will have the top seed play the fourth, fifth winner, while the runner-up third through the sixth winner of the brackets remain fixed with no reseeding. Also interesting. I think they're the only... I think MLB would be the only league that doesn't reseed. <clears throat> um, yeah, and yeah. reseeding just always is sure. Well, as it's not true, because I don't think the NHL reseeds anymore now that they have their interdivision playoffs. But I... I guess it really doesn't matter because you're not for the NHL. You don't have a one through eight. Really? You have a one, two and three, and then a wild card seated into both brackets to fill it out. So I guess they, they don't have anything to recede, but I feel like football does recede. Uh, Mm. Like if oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. like if yeah, the number six uh, seed knocks off the number three seed, that's who the one seed will play, not correct. the winner of four or five guaranteed. Correct. Right. Yeah. And I Definitely. think and I think basketball does the same thing, except there's just eight teams. So like if the seven seed upsets the number two, then I think the one will play the seven. And the concept is to give you the biggest incentive to continue to compete for your you know to finish as high as you possibly can instead of just being like well well, let's just make the playoffs kind of thing like you know i'm fine with first or second whatever you know it just gives you that advantage to to reseed to the lowest team always if you're the top seed um but yeah that it makes sense i think the the one thing that they'll lose out on now is that being the lowest division winner is the equivalent of being the top wild card um and that that to me feels weird <laughs> um which is why i think that if they want to keep it at six teams they need to go to two divisions because even if you don't want it to be like the top two from each division make it you can just say the winner of each division gets a buy in the first round, and that's the four next best teams. <clears throat> but I think in, also, in order to also do that, you need to add two more baseball teams, because I think two divisions in each league works better when they're even. And So you'd have to go to 32 teams at that point, which I also think is only a matter of time, because that's what the NFL did and that's what the NHL does or that's what the NHL has done so I don't know how many teams there are in basketball yeah me neither but it's only what an east and west division uh yeah well yeah they have two divisions per conference just like speaking of basketball the Celtics you know number one team in the east again there you go I can currently cash out my bet for some money, for some winnings already. You know. There you go. They're like, hey, you know, Celtics might win it, so we'll just pay you out a little bit now so we don't have to pay you as much later. Let's see what that is. Oh, it does say cash, so I'm look it up right now. But Oh, there it is, $12.72. The other day it was at $16, though, so 
Maybe yeah, it's got worse. So <clears throat> before we get into fantasy baseball, before we get into the draft, I have mm-hmm. one question that I want to get your take on um, okay. regarding Albert Pujols. Yeah, I figured it was okay. coming. So I know, like we, we've talked about in the past on here, we've talked about it off the air, or I guess not recording, whatever, um, <clears throat> that I I feel, based on our conversations, and correct you can correct me if I'm wrong when I toss it to you, that you're not on board with the signing at this point in time. However, so yeah. my so oh, so my question so my question is, is it strictly because Pujols has been gone for what ten or eleven years, or so like if the Cardinals had just give say he signed with the Cardinals back at, in 2012 instead of going to the Angels. And then the Cardinals brought him back for one more year after his contract expired and he had been a Cardinal this whole time. Would you have an issue in the same regard to the signing? Like, would you think that it also would should just been, have been time to move on? Or is it more upsetting because he spent the last decade not in a Cardinals uniform and they're oh. bringing him back? No, so I don't really care that he spent time outside of the Cardinals organization. Uh, that one left my mind a long time ago. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, would I have liked to see him play here forever? Yeah, you know, like, but, like, at the same time, like, there's two players, or there's one player on our team that, like, is currently actively doing that. Um, so we've got to root for him. Um, so I'm, the pool hole signing for me is more um, – like, I don't feel like it added many wins to our team. It wasn't like, you know, was it a need? Like, do you need a DH? Like, I don't know. Maybe I thought that's kind of what we brought fucking um, uh, Dickerson. Dickerson in for. Dickerson in for. Um, then I also see, I'm also like, you know, did we, like, where where was this in the plan? Was it, hey, we need... We're going to need a little bit of money left over so we can sign Albert Pujols. $2.5 is not a lot of money, but, like, I mean, like, with combined with a Chris Dickerson money, you're now paying, what, like $10 million to the DH spot or $8 million to the DH spot. So, I mean, there's a little bit of money right there. And, like, you know, you went, like, budget pitching, which... And are they going to arbitration? Are they going to arbitration with, with Flaherty over, like, eight hundred k? Um... Yeah, oh, they they no, I think they settled at five million this year before arbitration, didn't they? Uh, maybe I don't know. They, he, I think he was one that like. Or is it O'Neill? Is it O'Neill that they yeah, I think it was a that they yeah, didn't yeah, come yeah, to yeah. a deal with, and yeah, it was like yeah, eight hundred k. Couple guys, I think, because I think a Bader and, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're gonna play their game there, but so the only here's here's what I've come to. So I don't mind the sign. It's not the end of the world. Were the Cardinals going to make any other signing besides this one? No. Um, so it doesn't really matter. Is he blocking guys from playing time? Probably. But, like, that's the Cardinals' MO. Like, hey, we have a bunch right. of young guys, but we're going to play these old veterans. That's just <laughs> how it is. And one of these times, it's going to work out. Yep. So where I think... <laughs> we will find our Larry Walker again. Yeah. We will find our where Lance I... Berkman again. Where I think the Cardinals where we'll find out is in the middle of the year if there are if there is a glaring need 
for this team to push to win a World Series? Will the Cardinals front office with Albert Pujols, Adam Wainwright, and Yadier Molina seemingly all on their last year, and I only say seemingly because like Wainwright's not the only one that hasn't said, I'm definitely done this year. Do they actually go out and get aggressive to win these guys one if they can? Or is the whole year just going to be a parade of like, oh, hey, yo, Albert's back. Because if that's going to be it, I'm also like not going to be excited that like I maybe me being petty, but like I feel like it just takes away from Yachty um, being here for his whole entire career that like now he's they want to share that together. I just feel like we've already been talking about fucking Albert Pujols. Oh, my God. I like ESPN radio is like they're you know jerking off to it. Every last one of them is jerking off to it. Uh, on the reg, and they're like, okay, with this, well, he's only going to get so many plate appearances, so it's not that big of a deal. Like, Well, that's the big deal to me, though, is that he's only going to get a certain amount of plate appearances, and okay, cool, he hits 15 home runs. If those 15 home runs win us, like, two more games, you know, like, total or something, we'll see. So I just, from a winning standpoint, I don't think it helped us win. I just think it helped us sell tickets. So I have a hard time, especially with, you know, my feelings in the current front office on the our effort to win over our effort to make it look like we're winning are two totally different things. So I I completely agree. Like I I've made it no secret that I am not high on the Cardinals. I also think from a business perspective, it made a lot of sense to not sign pools from a baseball sense it made no sense to me whatsoever like I compared it often to Derek Jeter and the Yankees and as a Yankees fan as a Jeter fan there isn't anything that I would have been like they overpaid for Jeter I didn't care he like pay him whatever he wants plus some if it means keeping him in pinstripes because I don't want to see him playing for another team because that's my shortstop like that's my guy he's a Yankee through and through did he produce the same way? No, but I don't care. Like he should be a Yankee until he decides he doesn't want to be a Yankee anymore. So I, I think that it's weird that they're bringing him back and it's for all the reasons you just mentioned and plus one more. So you have a guy that is was kind of like supposed to be your big ticket item. You stole him from the Rockies and he has two opt outs. You know, he could opt out after this year and after like after last year and after this year and Arenado. And so, yes, you can make the argument that, well, he can see what it's like to be beloved by the Cardinal fan base and look at the, the farewell tour that you're going to get. Sure. But the difference is, is that Wayno and Molina and Pujols brought championships back to St. Louis. 06 and 2011, they were both, like all three of them were integral parts in both those championships. If that never happens, most people probably won't care about Arenado parting ways. No one will really care about Goldschmidt parting ways. So when you're like, all right, we have Arenado for maybe one more year. After this, there's strong possibility that there's all kinds of money available in LA because salary cap went up or sorry competitive tax balance whatever the hell they call it luxury tax 
that goes up. So the Dodgers have more money to spend. Plus, they have Justin Turner's contract coming off the books. And eventually, they're going to have Trevor Bauer's money coming off the books. So why don't they just go, like, offer Arenado $45 million a year, $48 million a year? Like, that 32 seems like chump change now. And if they have Turner, Freeman, Arenado for, like, the next six years on their infield, like, that's going to be his best chance to win a championship. And he was already willing to go to L.A., but Colorado didn't want to deal him in division. Well, if Arenado takes the in-division aspect away or the trade aspect out of it, like, I, I feel like this is the Cardinals front office saying, like, hey, your best chance of winning a championship in your career isn't with us because we care more about nostalgia and marketing to our, uh, our biased fans than we do winning a championship. Now, I will say I watched a video today of when Arenado signed with the Cardinals and he did this interview and at the very end he was like, cool, we're done. And he's like, hey, I would just like to say one thing. Hey, Albert Pujols, you're my favorite baseball player ever. I've looked up to you my whole entire life. I love you, man. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm on the same team. I hold, I totally wish we uh, have a chance to play together again. Um, and so I thought it was funny because, you know, obviously he's asked for it. He asked for it immediately when he came here. Um, I wonder how often he's been asking for it to come back. And then I wonder if that makes, like, juices him up a little bit to have, you know, maybe hits better. Albert Pools is over here like, hey, what are we swinging at that? Why are we doing this? You know, it's like those type of things with pool holes, especially, you know, the Tyler O'Neills, the Dylan Carlson's, the, the stuff like that, being able to say, hey, this pitcher's got you doing this or whatever. Like, that, like being a hitting coach on the bench – cool but like again maybe like last it didn't, year, it didn't it matter like, in la yeah is it just <laughs> that like it, is that all that it could be because like do we just have this bench spot that we can tie up that we can fuck off with because we've had matt carpenter on the team for the last two years and that's just like been a bench spot that we've been fucking off with so like all of a sudden we just have like a disposable bench spot like i'm also not cool with that um but and, and uh back to the interview it I mean, Arenado was like genuinely like I could I could you could sense that he's probably hyped up with this. So to that point, like before he leaves, like if the writing's on the wall, are you going to be aggressive during year with trades? Um, or what if sure they're not performing to make it run deep? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and you start trading people, uh, right? Or or let's just let's just say like what if Pujols is having a terrible year at the plate? Like, do you cut roll, him? They'll roll him out. They'll roll him out. Do they play Matt Carpenter? Well, I guess they play Matt Carpenter for $18 million a year. Right. Uh, so for $2.5 I mean, million, do you part this, ways if it is if it is costing no, you no winning way. games? You know, if Wainwright isn't no. your best option every fifth day, nope. like, do you no do you bench him? Do you move him to the bullpen? No, he'll have, a, he'll have Liz Frank. He'll be on the 60-day DL, and his career will go out on an injury, guaranteed. Like they'll just be like, oh, something's just off, blah blah blah. They'll or like if Kisner is putting up better numbers than Yachty, do you do you make Yachty the backup or do you just roll with it? And it's like, and though that to me, like I feel like you'll never know that Kisner's putting up better numbers because you won't get blanked. <laughs> right, and that and that's fair. So my thoughts are that it doesn't like it doesn't matter how bad Pujols, Wayno, and Molina are. 
and not not like they all might be great they all just may be very meh and they're just fine and it's whatever and it is a bit it isn't a big deal but like you said if the cardinals have an opportunity to to compete and they don't do anything and they're just like well this year is all about these three and you're basically just pissing away a year that you had arenado and a year that you had goldschmidt and like your window's only getting smaller and it's another year, like, now you have more guys hitting arbitration, so you have more money. You have more guys closer to free agency. So you're just like, all right, like, what are we what are we going to do? I feel like all of those decisions, it could allow Arenado to be swayed. That it's like, well, the Dodgers didn't win one last year, and they won, like, 104 games. And they went out, and they put in a bid on, arguably, the best first baseman in baseball currently. Um, that, you know, they took him away from, like, they convinced him to come to L.A., leaving a team that he had played his entire career with his very Pujols-esque, you know, Freeman just won a championship there, um, granted, without the numbers that Pujols put up, but very, that, like, I imagine Braves fans feel the same way towards Freeman that a lot of Cardinals fans felt towards Pujols when Pujols signed with the Angels. So there's got to be some sort of pitch there. And the money they could throw at Arenado is unreal. It's got to be astronomical. Like, even with the money they have coming off the books, it's like $52 million. It's like, if they if they want to buy Arenado away from the Cardinals, they're certainly capable of doing so. But the key is to let him know that he has an opportunity of winning a ring here in the five years following this. And if you're not willing, like, they weren't really really willing to go out and make a big splash last year and they weren't willing to play for a future. And then what they brought in with what they didn't do last year, like you brought in two guys that you didn't resign, basically like you brought in Lester and Hap and neither one of them came back to the Cardinals. So you got two rental players that were designed to eat innings. So I don't really know what they did, but they, like, yeah, they went on the run, but they didn't do anything to better their chances of winning a World Series, in my opinion. Um, and so this year, if Pujols is struggling and you're not willing to cut him, you're not willing to convince him to retire, whatever the case may be, and you just have this guy and you're you know, hindering yourself to 25 men on the bench every every game instead of being a team of 26... I don't think that that sends the right message to to Arenado. You know, and for if he didn't have the opt out, then it wouldn't matter to me. But if he isn't happy and he's kind of been known to be that prima donna, like he was kind of a, you know, not necessarily like he was kind of um super important. You know, give me what I need in Colorado, and when they didn't, he was like fuck this, I'm out, like, trade me, understandably, because he wanted to win. So what prevents this from being the same thing in St. Louis other than the major differences being that he can just say, I'm not re-signing. Like, I'm going to test free agent. Like, I think I can get the same money, if not more, under this new CBA. And I know that there are teams that will pay top dollar looking for me. I mean, hell, the Yankees could easily use a third baseman and they're paying Donaldson $20 million a year right now. And he's only under contract for one more year after this. So they could eat that money and 
give Arenado $40 million a year to play third? You tell me you wouldn't like to hit in that lineup? Let's see. The, are these free agents 2020? I'm looking at 2023 free agents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's okay. really not anything on the third base class. Nolan Arenado, Justin Turner, Evan Longoria, Jose Ramirez, Carpenter, Jace Peterson, Marwin Gonzalez, Tim Beckham. Yeah, and Jose Ramirez is a club Ooh, option. Base, base so, yeah. so odds are he's not going to be a free agent yet. Like either Cleveland or whoever and they Justin trade Turner's him to. Old as fuck. Yeah, Justin Turner's like 38. So yeah. he's probably done. Longoria, I think, is, is almost just as old. Yeah, I think Longoria. 36. I think Longoria might be hurt currently. Or like something just came out about him, I think. But I, I, I think that this will likely be his last contract. Like I don't think he will continue to yeah. play when he hits free agency. Yeah, so I think he'll retire. Yep. Like so, Arenado wants. Yep. And and the other positions aren't any better. The one thing that you'll miss is like Carlos Correa, or he signed a two-year deal, so even he won't be a free agent. So like all of the big short steps that were just free agents all signed longer-term Ooh, deals. Dude. Colton Wong, I wonder if he's got uh, uh, Colton Wong that'll be available. Whit Merrifield, they probably have like uh, Whit Merrifield's probably got something going on, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, like there's just not a whole lot, and there's going to be a whole bunch of money for teams to be willing to throw around, you know. And it's like that—that's my concern. I think like you—you you have to convince Arenado that this is where he wants to be. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like maybe he did want pools to be here, but you didn't do anything else. Like, I think if you went out, if they went out and added like uh Carlos Correa and an Albert Pujols, you could, you could wrap your head around that. Like you can get behind that. If they added, uh, you know, uh, Max Scherzer or uh, Robbie Ray and an Albert Pujols, you could wrap your head around that. Like that is them investing long-term but you brought like i think dickerson just signed a one-year deal yep and matt signed a four-year deal so you so the only addition you've made past this season is a number five pitcher that if everyone's healthy on your team wouldn't be in your starting rotation so um and they they added some bullpen pieces yeah, but if everyone were healthy with where they expected to be, you, like Matt's wouldn't have a spot in the starting rotation. And so it just, it doesn't, to me, at least, I don't, I'm not in any of those conversations, but I don't think the Cardinals have done anything to convince Arenado that the future is all about winning in St. Louis. Now, Maybe that doesn't matter. Look at Joey Votto. Like, obviously, Cincinnati has made it very clear they're not going to win a championship anytime soon. And I don't know that Votto will ever want to leave Cincinnati. He likes playing there. He likes the fans. He likes the atmosphere. He's very comfortable there. Teach their own. Who am I to judge? Maybe Arenado will be the same way. Maybe he just loves toasted raviolis, and it's fine. Emos. Yeah, he's all about emos. <laughs> yeah. Going to blues games. Right. So... I, I, I know, and, and again, like it's also possible that all three are just fine and there's other reasons why. I mean, like Arenado himself says that he didn't think he performed up to snuff last year. Um, I know 
he didn't really have a great wild card game. I don't think he really, I think he had opportunity to drive in runs a couple times and didn't. Um, so he could put blame on his shoulders just as easily as anybody else, um, for the Cardinals losing to LA in the wild card game. So maybe he feels like this team can win or moving past this, they can win and it, it won't be a big deal. I just think it is a very iffy game that that's the route that they're going. You know, like they didn't lock up O'Neill long-term. They haven't locked up Flaherty long-term. Like they haven't invested in these guys as a future yet. Um, and that that's all very relevant over the course of the next five years. You know, like if they aren't willing to pay these guys now, like are they going to be able to afford to sign them all? You know, are they... Like, I know we talk about guys like Gorman and Libertor and stuff like that all the time. And, like, the numerous other prospects that they have that have talent. But is that what Arenado wants to be a part of? Like, just a team that's going to perpetually cycle through their young players? Like, the you know, the Cardinals have been doing outside of their big signings. Does well, Arenado want to be that big signing or does he want to be the other support piece? And I feel like the, the message he was sold was he was going to be the support piece you know, like, hey, we're going to build around you. Like, look at everything we have going. We think that you can go a long way. And once we bring you in, there's like one or two things that we really need. And they just have done nothing to address those one or two things, even though both were readily available this season in starting pitching in a shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Paul so. Young's going to be, you know, great A defense. Just... Maybe hits, you know, 10 home runs this year. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'll be the first one to say, <laughs> it's possible It's possible that my opinion on all this is completely wrong. Like, other people that make a whole bunch of money to make these decisions have access and have done way more research than what I have. I'm just saying, subjectively, this is how it feels to me. Like, I, and I don't think the Cardinals are the only team to blame in, in situations like this. Like, I also think it's very weird that the Yankees just haven't locked up judge long-term. Like what, what's the concern? Like, what are I you waiting I've on? Been, I've been hearing all this, like, you know, it's coming, it's coming, right. it's coming. But like, uh, you just, you just came to an agreement to avoid arbitration, but why not just sign him? Like, why not just have that? Like, why? Hey, let's not worry about what you're going to make in your third year of arbitration. What do you want to make for the next 10 years? You're a Yankee. Let's talk about that. Like it, it just it's it's all unnecessary. It's just so weird to me the way that teams approach the business. Like if you're if you're willing to dedicate to them, like if you know that that's what you want to have happen, then just have that conversation. Like why why have two difficult conversations back to back? Like just have one. Be like you do you want to be a Yankee? Well, we want you to be a Yankee. So let's just figure out what we need to do to make that happen. Let's not worry about just 2022. Let's talk about through 2030. What do we need to do? You know, eight-year extension. Let's work on it. Let's figure this out. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's it's weird. It's all weird. You know, let's trade away Urshela and get Josh Donaldson. Ugh, God. Yeah, but you were super excited about his two home runs earlier, so. I, I'm, again, I will, I hope he performs. I hope he performs. I hope Pujols performs. Like, I have seen... 
there have been friends of mine or you know acquaintances of mine that uh, on various social media that have posted far more about baseball over the course of the last 48 hours than they have in the entirety of the time that we've done this podcast. Yeah, like we had just a buddy of ours earlier today that messaged us about baseball. When's the last time Steve's ever talked to us about baseball? And he initiated a conversation with us about baseball. I mean, he even said, I'm probably going to go to games now. Right. So, so it's only good for St. Louis as a city. Like if the Cardinals are successful, they do a lot for the city. So I'm for it. Like, I hope it works, but at the same time, like, I'm just offering my opinion on the way the Cardinals are conducting business. And I think that their approach at this point has made it more risky than what it needs to be that you lose Nolan Arenado. And like we've talked about, if Arenado opted out after 2021 or he opts out after 2022, the deal that the Cardinals gave up is no longer that great. A, they don't get the money, like they get less money because the money they got was to pay for the seventh year. So if he opts out, they didn't, the Rockies don't owe the Cardinals that money. So the the money aspect is gone. And you just gave up three prospects and Austin Gomber, who would look relatively good in your rotation right now. You know, I would much rather have Austin Gomber starting every fifth game than Steven Matz um, for Arenado. So if you no longer have Arenado, it's just a loss out at that point. It's another Marcelo Zuna trade. Um, um, Arenado in September, on September 29th, 2021, MLB trade rumors put an article, Nolan Arenado won't exercise opt out of clause when he said he was going to come back this year. And he said, quoted, I'm not opting out. We can put that out there now. I will not be opting out. I will be coming back. That was always the plan. I'm absolutely coming back. I feel like this year has been special in a lot of senses. Um, yeah, but that's why they and, added the opt-out for the following year. Yeah, so, I mean, he can definitely act like he's all gung-ho about it, but he's been a yeah. little, like, you know, not trying to be, like, homerish about it, but he has been more, in, like, emphatic about being here than a lot of people. It was, it's was it been sold to him for a very long time. Um, through the holiday thing, like, um, you know, holiday has been trying to recruit him to St. Louis, tell him how great it was. He's always been a huge fan of St. Louis. We talked about his fucking jerk off session, Albert Pujols. Like I, I might, you know, find it hard to say he opts out. I, and that's, and that's fair. But at the same time, $35 million regardless. Pujols had nothing but great things to say about St. Louis. And he left for a little bit extra money, you know, the guys that you're talking about that like absolutely loved it here when they got traded, like they said the same thing, but like how often do you hear about Paul Gold, like Paul Goldschmidt talking about that? Oh, it's so great to be a Cardinal. But when he got oh, traded often. over here, he want like he talked, he, Oh, it was all St. Louis is great. I want to be here. This is where I want to go. Then he got his extension and you don't, you just don't hear about it anymore. Yeah. Halliday was the same way. Paul Goldschmidt talking when he was in Arizona. He just says not a, I uh, like Paul Goldschmidt's not out here fucking doing daily interviews and shit. Like you don't hear him saying anything. Right. That, but he was, he still said all the same niceties about St. Louis that Arenado is, you know, just, there isn't a concern about Goldschmidt opting out. He got his extension and he got his extension right away. 
Like, I think they extended him before that season even started when they traded for him. What was that, yeah. 2019? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think they extended him to six years before that season even started. So, like, there just never was a concern. But there is the concern about the opt-out for Arenado. And I'm sure the game plan was always that he wasn't going to opt-out after 2021. But that's why, as part of the trade, he was like, I'll add a seventh year, but I want a secondary opt-out after 2022. Why would you negotiate that if that isn't something that you're seriously consider utilizing? Like, if you if his game plan all along was, there's no way I'm going to opt-out, then what does he need a second opt-out option for? So all he did, in my opinion, was like, I'll give you guys an extra year. Like, I'll move my opt-out from 2021 to 2022. I'll give you guys two seasons. The game plan was never to opt-out after one. I'll give you two. It's like, that. that's how I view that instantly. And I don't think the Cardinals have done anything to convince him that he's going to win a championship here. Except catch lightning in a bottle in September. But, I mean, that's <laughs> so, how it's won. Maybe. So, that that's all I'm saying. Is that I, I feel like it is playing with fire. And it's... It, it'll... I think it'll... It sets up an opportunity where if you're not willing to do the thing to piss off all of your fans, you're ultimately going to end up pissing off all of your fans. I don't know anyone in their right mind as a Cardinals fan that would be like, yeah, I'm so glad that we had Pujols for one more year to retire as a Cardinal and that Molina started even though Kisner was a better option or that Wainwright continued to pitch every fifth game even though he wasn't producing. Like, I'm so glad I got to see all of that all year, even though Nolan Arenado opted out. Like, I don't know anyone in their right mind uh, that's, like, an actual Cardinals fan that would feel that way. And I I worry that that's the risk, that I don't think the Cardinals will pull the plug on the Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright farewell tour. Maybe with Waino they could fake an injury, but you're you're not going to do that with all of them. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you go out, sell the farm system, <laughs> bring a ring in, and then, you know, rebuild for the next 10 years. Yeah, maybe. And and again, that's I, I'm just saying that I it's possible that it isn't in a, it's zero concern whatsoever. And when the time comes, we'll talk about it. And Arenado may not opt out at all. Like it's not a. I don't think if the Cardinals do bad, it's a guarantee, but I think if the Cardinals do bad and they do nothing to better themselves or they don't do anything more than adding John Lester and J.A. Happ at the trade deadline again while trading away some pieces, like, uh, you know, like granted they dealt from some depth, but, you know, are, <clears throat> and I guess they didn't know what the outcome was going to be of the CBA, but shit, I knew like that, well, chances are the universal DH is going to be a thing. Yeah. (laughs) So if they didn't, then even more so shame on them. But you're going to tell me that like someone like Elaine Thomas wouldn't have a place on this team, you know, to like can be competing for a spot with Lars Newbar or Corey Dickerson. And that's who you gave up to bring in John Lester for a month and a half. It was just a very odd decision. Like the, the John Gant aspect, like that being the big piece that you lost and the J.A. Happ trade not the end of the world. Like Gant would have some great outings, but he he been but never broke all season. He walked away too many guys. 
it was time to rid your hands of it. You know, he couldn't hold down a starting rotation spot. You do have a decent amount of young arms, and you were going to get some guys back healthy. So there really wasn't going to be a spot for him. So not a problem. You probably weren't going to have Gant pitching into your rotation this year anyway. So not the end of the world. But like Elaine Thomas, I feel like that's a big deal. You know, I think that'll just be potentially another young outfielder that makes it into the matrix with another team that, you know, the Cardinals can take pride in. Dime a dozen. Find <laughs> them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. We got outfielders cleaning the stadium. <laughs> we got them everywhere. So, so anyway, sorry, that went on a little longer than I thought, but it was a good conversation and I was interested to get your thoughts on it. Um, so we're at like the hour 30 mark a little before that. So we can get in like a good, like half hour talk about drafts. Probably enough. Uh, we'll just focus yeah. on our teams, but, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So I'll, I'll start with, you know, how, how do you feel it went? Like, did you knowing what you were, what you were going to be without going into it? Did, did it kind of go as expected? You know, I, I don't, I, yeah, I think you get what I'm saying. Um, I'm going to be muted yeah, for a second. I feel like I did better in the starting pitching category than I thought I was going to. Um, not like insanely better, but I'm a little more comfortable um, in it. But in saying that, like my sixth starter, like this all has to do with injury. As soon as like one or two pitchers get injured, I'm pretty effed almost immediately. Um, but it's going to happen to everybody. You're going to have to play the waiver wire. You're going to have to be able to trade. So, like, not super worried about it. But am off initial, um, happier than I thought I was going to be with at least my starting pitching. Uh, my relief. Uh, I, I'm pretty happy that I just got uh, a dominant closer when I did um, in Ryan Presley. And then I'll just kind of play with my other relief pitcher spot. Uh, and then I thought, I, I think my position players, I think I did a really good job. Um, I think I got a couple solid bench options. My infield, um, I have a lot of infield depth. Um, I got a pretty stacked outfield. Um, so not feeling, not feeling horrible. Um, uh, uh, who, I, I, a little bit your... better off than I thought I was going to. Who was your third keeper? It was Hanniger, Tucker, and Riley. Is that who you kept? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I have your team brought up here. So I know, like, lo- looking at it, and it's it's weird to me because, like, early on, like, projected rankings, projecting projected rankings for starting pitching, like, I feel like their numbers are always high because it's among all players. And, mm-hmm. fan- like, fantasy-wise – starting pitching other than like the top four or five guys are going to put up significantly less points than their the equivalent counterpart. Like if you were looking at it from like a tiered perspective, so it, it based on position players, pitchers in my league will typically put up less points. So it kind of shifts them down the rankings a little bit. So projected rankings look pretty bad. Um, even though they they aren't necessary, like they won't necessarily stay that way. Um, 
but what I shoot for typically is like if I can get, including my pitchers, all of my guys to be projected in the top 384 spots. And three, like I'll explain why 384 in a minute. I I feel pretty happy with that outcome. So not and sorry, not projected, but if that's where their scoring lies, is in that top 384. Um, and I picked 384 because that is essentially if you take 16 teams, 24 guys, that's the number of players that there are. So 384. So under these circumstances, I think it's safe to assume that all of my guys are producing amount, an amount of points that warrant them being on my team. Yeah. yeah. Like they should have they been, they should, they should have been drafted or should have been picked up from free agency because you should assume, well, I guess not necessarily because it doesn't always work out that the position spots are super even. It's not always going to be 16 shortstops and 16 second basemen that fall in the top three to four. But if they, if your guys are, then you're like, okay, this is a team of players that should be starting for somebody or should at least be on someone's roster. Um, in that aspect. Um, but I know you got into who you have for a relief pitcher, but you didn't mention who you have as your starting pitchers. Oh, um, I, so I have two Cardinals pitchers. I have Wainwright and Hudson, um, which, so the Hudson one is, I didn't really want to, where I had to pick Hudson though, I was, I was going to be like, my next pick was going to be in like 20 something picks um, or like probably like 25, I think spots or something. And uh, I was looking at the pictures and I'm like, so like, would I rather just have this now or any one of these pictures later? Um, and so then I just went with Hudson um, and then Kyle Gibson, Aaron Savali and Casey Mize. Um so not no one's like this sure thing um for sure i hit like one number one really in wainwright um and then a couple you know two and th- or three and four guys um i do believe but <clears throat> yeah i think for me like the the casey mize pick um you also have asker anoa from atlanta on your bench um yeah. and then you have two other guys that are marked relief pitchers i know Rogers will be a really like is a relief pitcher in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't know much about. Last year is what he got. Yeah, he was um, he was my reliever for a really long time. Um, after I traded away Mark Melanson, like I picked him up, and that's why I was willing to deal Melanson because Rogers was fine. And then Pierce Johnson got uh, 15 saves with the San Diego Padres last year, um, and so with Pomeranz uh, opening up on the 60 day DL. Um, a lot of talk that he's got a good shot to be the San Diego closer. So, so do they not have Melanson still? Uh, no. Mark. Yeah, he's no. in Arizona now. In Arizona, yeah. Yeah. So Pierce Johnson's kind of kind of like a wild card. I think it was kind of really late pick. Um, but he's got a decent shot to make it out of camp here. They exercised a $3 million option on him. Um, so, I mean, he's going to pitch somewhere. We'll just kind of wait and see, um, if it's that closer spot or not. Gotcha. Yeah. And then so, Dylan Florio is also supposed to, um, uh, close for Miami is the thought to begin the beginning of season. So we'll see how that works. Um, and I, I feel like with Miami, the, the risk you run is, 
obviously for closers to maximize their point potential, you need their team to win games. And Miami yeah. could have trouble doing that. Um, I think that NL East is a little more top heavy than what it was previously. Uh, mainly because I think the Mets have become a playoff contender along with Atlanta and Philadelphia. Um, I, and then I think Washington's always just going to be a wild card. Um, I don't think they've gotten any better. They didn't really, I think they more so lost guys. Uh, Cause I think they traded away a bit at the deadline. Um, but I don't know much about the young kids that they have. So I think it could be tough for Miami to win games, which could make it tough for Florio to get points. Um, but again, it's, you know, still a, a solid option because I obviously when they win games, they'll probably be closer games. So it should be, you know, if he has 50 save opportunities because the Marlins win 70 games and say like Blake Trinan, who I have as a closer, gets 50 save opportunities because the Dodgers win 110 games, but they're never close. <laughs> like there's really no difference. Like, 50 yeah. save opportunities is 50 save opportunities. So, um, but yeah, I think Casey Mize is probably, like, the one that I think will be uh, will be something to keep an eye on. Um, I think Anoa is a, is a great secondary option. Um, but I just don't know what to expect out of Detroit. Um, but the added benefit of pitching, pitching in the AL stat. Central. So. Yeah. yeah, it's pitching in the AL Central for sure. Um, I mean Detroit, you know, trying to trying to win some games. It seems like up there. I also have Javier Baez. Um, I you know would have also drafted the other infielder there, um, Candelario. Uh, the two players that I was you know hoping that I had on my team last year, I was you know going to try to have Mitch Garver again as a catcher. But those when Candelario went and uh, Garver went, both of those picks were. Oh, just give me whoever the best available player is at that point in time. Um, and A, I wasn't really a huge fan of it. Like, A, giving other people any form of picks. Like, yo, you don't, you won't catch me at an NFL draft being like, hey, yo, Rams, who are you guys about to draft? Who you guys got on your board? You know, I get it's a bunch of buddies, but at the end of the day here, I'm trying to win. Um, so it is what it is. It happens all the time. I just well, like, well, Garver went to Kurt. Like Garver was drafted by my brother, so I don't think that, yeah, that would have been a yeah. Almost positive, um, it was still the like Joe just give me, um, like or hey, who do you guys have as the best available catcher or whatever like that? You know, it's just those scenarios or whatever. And, you know, it's not it's whatever. I ended up with another player. It's not like the end of the world by any means. Um, just a hard way to like lose a guy that like you're looking to get and someone else is just like oh just like give me a guy you know um no different than really being on auto draft like it's i i'm not a huge fan when people just go and auto draft um either in drafts because like you know hard to throw off the board like would you have really drafted that person i, I don't know so um like i said it happens in every draft not a huge deal um just the cards you're dealt especially as you're trying to like make a team you're like oh here's where i'm going to be comfortable um and then you know you're just you know shifting and moving and grooving uh, while you're making those decisions so um yeah and i forget where candelario went i'm trying to find him now um 
he went to Yaimir. Yeah, come on, search. The IL squad. Yeah, that was Timmy. And that I I do feel like his last couple picks were people just throwing out like the more auto draft. So I would agree with that one. I don't remember with 100% certainty, but I, I don't, I, cause I mean, Kurt was giving me picks all the way up to the end of the draft. So I feel like his probably wasn't a, uh, who's the best catcher available. Plus there was catchers that went after him that I think were ranked higher. Um, so it would have been hard pressed for that. I mean, like I think Adley Rushman was pretty high on the rankings as was Carson Kelly and they both went rounds later. Um, but I, I, I understand yeah. what you're saying. Same sense. Whether it happened to your yeah. brother or not, it's the same sense. It's the unpreparedness um, for it, the not showing up, just, hey, I hope someone else gives me this. Um, and best believe I will not shout out players in any of those instances. This league, football, doesn't really matter. Um, you're my friend or not. Like, you know, your decision, you, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, th- I think that that's, yeah, I think that that is, I think that is fair. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's just a player. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I honestly don't know that there will be much scoring difference between, like, in my opinion, yeah. James McCann, yeah. who you have, and Mitch Carver. I, I probably will have <laughs> a different catcher mid-season. Like, it's, it's the catcher position. I almost thought I was going to wait later. And then I was like, well, um, again, the Mets should have a good scoring team. This, I, you know, I drafted DRNO for the same reason very high last year. Hey, the, Atlanta should win games. They should be scoring runs. And so, like, having a player in that offense, just I'll feel better about that than having mm-hmm. a Jacob Stallings again or <laughs> the Max Dassey. Like, the – I mean, he only Max Dazzy was only going to play fifty percent of games. He does a timeshare um, over there as well, and so it's you know the Angels. Not that they don't have a good team; they're just constantly injured. They're obviously not winning games. They're not going to the playoffs. Um, when you're not winning games, you're not scoring runs, a lot of runs consistently, typically. So right, could be um, that your pitching is just yeah. real bad, but yeah. So I, unfortunately, at the time, I looked at the Mets and we're like, you know what, off year. Um, he was supposed to be really good. Um, we talked about him a lot, um, on this show. Um, so then I just went to the James. Yeah. I, I think with where you got him, I honestly think that the McCann pickup could easily be a keeper for next year. Um, and just not have to worry about your catcher spot. I mean, you drafted him in the 18th round. So just to be like, Hey, this is what I'm going to have. Um, maybe you're looking at like an Austin Riley in the 13th round and McCann in the 18th round. And, you know, even something like, I mean, if Pierce Johnson ends up being the closer in San Diego and holding that down, you can spike cool 22nd round. I'm going to have a reliever that I know is going to close games and it's a bench spot. So I don't have to worry about throwing a pick at a reliever earlier in the draft. Like I can just know that I have one taken care of, which is why I think those late picks on relievers can work out really well. Um, I just didn't have any of them. Right. Um, so I wasn't able to do anything like that. Like the last couple years, um, what I think 
like usually like the catcher spot i either go really early or i wait to like where you were at and i'm just like who's gonna start let me just draft that guy um a lot of times i've ended up with like the tucker barnharts of the world um and i think that those are fine um i think i also had jacob stallings for a little bit last year while real muto was hurt um so sometimes it just doesn't it doesn't justify taking a pit you know a catcher that high up um you know unless you're gonna get like salvi perez who was kept um you know but like the the joe mowers of the world the buster posies of the world the molinas and his prime you know like did these are the guys that were gonna go you know that were worthy of picks up there um and i think it's just farther and fewer between so there's there may not be much of a difference between real muto and mccann except you took mccann 15 rounds later than i took real muto and granted, my Real Muto pick was like my seventh draft pick in the third round. So it's a little different. Like, I, I take that into consideration. Like, some of my guys went earlier than they probably should have, but they were filling out a very specific role for me. Um, and I was at that point that I was, like, drafting bench guys, like, or, like, potential keeper options, um, like Anthony Volpe in the 15th round as a keeper. He may not be up in New York at all this year, but uh, him and both, I drafted Nolan Gorman, I think, in the 12th round. And they were basically like, hey, these guys are knocking on the door. So if I don't take them now, there's just the likelihood that someone drafts them in the later rounds and they can stash them for a year as keeper options, you know, in uh, an 18th or 19th round pick. So I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. Um, so I'm going to take them earlier at the end of my draft when I have everything squared away. <clears throat> Cause they were like two of two of my last three picks were Gorman and Volpe. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were me saying, and I'll just take a chance on <laughs> yeah. Volpe Gorman. We all know why you did that. Yeah. So. Gorman. I will hope I can trade him in our, in I can't our believe division. you haven't already, I can't believe you haven't traded him already. I want him to make the big league squad, and then, and then I'll trade him. And once think, people I think know. the same value. To What do you mean, once people know? It's like this group of guys, I think you'd go offer Pope like a uh, something for him now to see what he's you know, Gauge him out early and often. It's fair. That way he knows you're his guy, and you're like, hey, get him a little early. You might be able to get him at this price. Because he had a lot of early draft picks too, so he's got some good players. Yeah, <laughs> like a bunch of players, but no. Um, it and it would likely be that Gorman will be a a piece that I'm willing to trade off. That's why I think I want him to have value at the MLB level because as a 12th round keeper, it's not significantly high, but I would very much like to be able to deal him for draft picks. Um, it's like if I can deal a bench guy that I don't plan on playing and get draft picks for him, I feel like that would be very good. Because uh, I feel the same way about, like, starting pitching. Like, I, I really hope that, like, John Means has a great a great season so I can look at dealing him, you know, early on. Like, when someone's looking for starting pitching, that I'm just like, hey, I got Means available. It's like if I can turn John Means into, like, a third-round pick, you know, in May or something along those lines – Cool. Like it doesn't impact my team at all, but I have uh, an, an extra little piece to deal if I need to add something, kind of thing. 
Um, but yeah, I would agree. Like you have like that definitely like if your team stays healthy, like not that like you can't afford any injuries on your infield, like for your lineup. Um, but if your team stays healthy, McCann's really the only question mark. I mean, I guess Nate Lowe, um, but I think in Texas with the lineup that they have now should be pretty good. Um, cause they added Seeger and Simeon. Um, so I think that that'll be an option, but I mean, Baez, I think will kind of do his thing. Um, he performed and I'll, you know, in various lineups last year. Um, it'll be interesting maybe with the big contract it won't, but I think you'll know what you're going to get out of Austin Riley. I think what you're going to get out of Tim Anderson's pretty clear. Uh, think same for Grisham, Hanniger, and Tucker, and then Charlie Blackman. Um, I like. I guess maybe he's due. Cause, like he's only getting older, so maybe he's due to drop off. But he's in your DH spot right now, and you still have guys like uh, Miguel Sano. You have IKF in New York, which I think him being the everyday shortstop in that lineup, it's kind of the same mentality as uh, having McCann in the Mets lineup. Right. If he's getting on base, scoring runs. Yeah, it can it can easily chalk bases. you up to some spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you have a couple guys that can play shortstop on your on your bench, plus, you know, Baez. You have three guys that can play first. Your DH is an outfielder right now. You have two other guys that can play outfield. So, I mean, you're pretty set. Like, if you lose somebody, you have a good option to put in for them at least as like a temporary fit, yeah. you know, um, maybe they're not as good, but yeah, you know, like put it in like a, a Josh Harrison into your outfield to replace Kyle Tucker or Hanniger, probably not same, same, but if it's for 10 days, you know, maybe one week in your lineup, you can, you can live with that. Like that shouldn't yeah, destroy your season. I'm hoping Josh Harrison gets, you know, getting some everyday time at second base. Uh, in Chicago, um, I mean, that team's going to score some runs too. So, mm-hmm. um, we'll see how that plays out, you know, and all like a vet like that playing in uh La Russa style offense, Josh Harrison, one of the guys he's going to hustle, uh, he's going to grind out at bat. So, um, he might be a little bit of a surprise. We'll see. All right. And then I don't think that there'll be much <laughs> that needs to be said. I had a ton of extra picks. Like I just said, Volpe in the 15th round was my last pick. I had two keepers after that, but I was done at base, like the halfway point of the draft. Um, You know, I had three picks that I had to make after the 12th round. um, Because I had Means as a keeper, Clevenger as a keeper, and Aguilar as a keeper. Um, So you have like all the starting pitchers. Yeah, so knowing that I had Means and Clevenger going into it, um, I was like, all right, like if I can have these guys, if I can draft in a means to where they're on my bench, I will be very happy with that outcome. And I feel like I successfully did that. Um, <clears throat> and then I even was able to take a flyer on like who the third guy on my bench was. I was also very happy with that, um, flyer in the sense that he's going to start the year hurt. But if he comes back healthy, should be good. Knowing my luck, he'll probably need Tommy John and he'll be out all year. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so right now I have 
my rotation is Ian Anderson, Shane Beaver, Garrett Cole, Hugh Darvish, and Brandon Woodruff. And then Clevenger, John Means, and Jack Flaherty on my bench. All starting pitchers. And then my early pitchers are Blake Trinan, who is going to be like, it's probably going to be what they call like this fireman role with the Dodgers. So even though Jensen's gone, or Jansen, Kenley Jansen, Jansen. yeah, um, is gone. They expect Trinan, like who's their best relief pitcher, according to Dave Roberts, to just use in, in high leverage situations. Um, it makes sense to me. I don't know why more teams don't do it. Uh, they do have other guys that can get outs, um, like uh, Daniel Hudson. Um, and then there's one other guy that's there. Uh, Gratterall, something like that. I forget what his name is off the top of my head. But it's like, uh, I think the Giants did a really good job of taking advantage of that last year with McGee and Tyler Rogers. Um, it's something that I think the Cardinals could, you know, could do with having guys like um, Gallegos and Genesis Cabrera that, you know, it's like, all right, like they have their big lefty coming up in the like due up in the ninth. So let's hold on to Cabrera, you know, as a lefty. I'm pretty sure Cabrera is a lefty. Um, the old Genesis. Yeah. Um, so like they could mix and match like guy goes, doesn't have to pitch the ninth because he's your closer. If him pitching against three righties in the eighth makes more sense. And Cabrera pitching against two lefties in the ninth makes more sense to give your team the best chance to win. That's what you do. Um, and I think that you might start to see more teams go towards that, that you have two or three arms at the back end of your bullpen um it's something that i think the yankees could do very well with chapman and chad green and zach Britton. um that it's something they could utilize uh, mainly because they also have three very distinct different looks um that you have chad green as a righty with more breaking ball cut in type stuff chapman has the flaming fastball and the big slider working a little bit of a change up and then uh Britain has his nasty ass sinker. So they, they give you three different looks and you can mix and match your matchups and just go based on like, all right, who do they have up in the seventh? Who do I think gives me the best chance to get the seventh retired in order? Um, and I think it also just relieves some pressure off guys. That like if you, if you have a bad outing because no one's going to be perfect, you're very rarely going to see a closer go, you know, 100% on save opportunities and have a zero ERA. Like, shit's going to happen. Guys are going to get into trouble. They just aren't going to have it for a night. And if you can have that happen in the seventh, that's way better than having it happen in the ninth when your team has more outs to work with to try to claw back into the game. Um, so I think you'll see more guys go that route. So the, the trident approach doesn't surprise me. Um, and then Scott Barlow and Kansas City will kind of be the same thing. There's expectations that Amir Garrett gets majority of the closing opportunities in Kansas City, um, but Garrett is the most unreliable closer known to man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hopefully that continues. Up Baez, so. <laughs> yeah. So I, so hopefully that continues and and Barlow just gets closer opportunities. Um, but then my lineup um, is pretty disgusting in my opinion, um, and this is what I kind of focused on, like. 
I took a couple of starting pitchers early. Um, goal, uh, Garrett Cole, fifth overall. Um, and then Woodruff, 16th overall. And Bieber, 17th overall. And I took Freeman, 11th overall in that bunch so i had four picks in the first 17 picks of the draft it really helps to have to work out a good base of your team um, when that's the case um but so after those three like i kind of favored just position players um that that's where that where that needed to go um but it's real muto at catcher freddie freeman at first jonathan india at second matt chapman at third dansby swanson at short the outfield is Teoscar Hernandez, Whit Merrifield, and John Carlos Stanton, and then Jesus Aguilar is a DH. Um, I already talked about Gorman and Volpe as just stashes on the bench right now as minor leaguers. So my bench is Austin Hayes as an outfielder, uh, Cody Bellinger as an outfielder, and then Alberto Mondesi as third base slash shortstop. So I don't have as much depth as I'd like. Um, but Real Muto's catcher and first base eligible. Um, Aguilar's first base eligible as my DH. And then I have um, Mondesi can play shortstop. Mondesi can play third. Uh, Whit Merrifield can play second. A handful of first basemen. And then Hernandez, Merrifield, Stanton, Bellinger, Hayes, all capable of playing outfield. Um, so I have some options. But definitely because of the two minor leaguers, it takes away some some possibility. Um, but yeah, I think projected point wise, like projected rankings of my position players, Real Muto is the highest ranking on there at 136. And so like just like simple like looking at like basic math 136 would fall um that it was sixth the sixth pick in our ninth round and there are two expansion picks so remove so call like early ninth round would be 136th pick of the draft and that uh, that doesn't account for like so all of my guys all of my position players, my nine guys starting in my position players should have been drafted in the first nine rounds. And that doesn't account for all of the keepers that were gone. That were numerous guys that were easily in the top echelon of players. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we had only one team with expansion picks. So I think we had 45 keepers this year. Um, and I would say a, a bulk of those guys were probably top 100 players. You know, probably all, uh, not not all top 150, but I, I would say at least half of them, I would feel pretty confident, would say top 150, <laughs> at least like 25. You projected 414 points the first week, so that ain't bad. Oh, did they change it? I was only 383 earlier 414 now nice what did travis move to he was the one person projected higher than me he's at 437 still projected higher than me yeah travis is super excited about his projection score for sure yeah so he had a very like i talked to him a little bit about how he drafted 
Um, and I guess, I mean, we're, we're right at the two hour mark, so we can just go through this a little bit. Um, just cause he's the only other person I've really had, um, like a conversation about with like what they looked at. And it was very interesting, like how he went about it. So I guess like he, if I understood him correctly, he kind of ranked out players based on projected points in our league and then mm-hmm. kind of tiered them out by position in that regard. And yeah. so he was trying to like just maximize not necessarily like overall where they would fall, but looking at like, all right, like what's left in this position. Let me prioritize grabbing that guy. Um, and I thought it was a very, a very interesting way to go about it. It's like uh, essentially like I would view it, you know, in the sense like who did he end up drafting at catcher? So that's what we've been talking about a lot. I think his catcher went Dalton Vasharo. Um, yeah, so a little bit later, but I think he, and he's projected to put like 20 points, which is like he drafted Varsho 107th overall. Uh, he's matched up. Who's he playing? Trogler, who got Yasmani Grandal 81st overall. And they're projected for 20 points. Um, here, let's go look at where is salvador perez who was kept so perez who was kept is only projected to put up 25 points and then me with my lovely real muto pick that throws everything off is projected to get 22 points and i took him 45th overall so again my 45th overall is kind of skewed because he was like my seventh pick (laughs) at that point so i definitely was like i'll i'll move up to get this guy um like on the on the flip side here perfect example Carson Kelly projected to get 14 points so six points not a ton that's a point a day roughly over the course of a week um you know simple math and Kelly was drafted 208th overall so 100 spots later and it's kind of a negligible difference from a week to week perspective but you know six points a week over the course of 25 weeks could really add up so you just hope that kelly has you know weeks at that you know that he kind of makes up for it you know whatever the case may be um but yeah i just thought it was a very interesting aspect to his, view it that way his second baseman also so is jet jazz chisholm is projected to put up over 500 points but last year didn't even crack 300 points yeah so i you think know, so, so i think he would need to be taken for the the Chismeister. So I think that the the big thing with Chisholm is that he didn't start like I want to say he either didn't start the year on the big league club or like was splitting time um, or something along those lines. Let me. No, because I told I remember him last year. Um, I think your brother took him like one of the last, his last picks overall last year. Um, we can go. Reference. We can go he look. played 124 games last year. 507 plate appearances, hit 248. Uh, 18. He did hit 18 home runs last year. Um, so that's pretty good. 53 RBIs. Yeah, no. 145 he... strikeouts. Yeah, so he, and he was definitely up. A lot of strikeouts. So it doesn't look like he was drafted at all last year. Um, 
Well, at least not by Kurt, because I switched over to last year's draft. Um, I know he was on he was on Kurt's team for a while. Um, like I think Kurt just picked him up as a free agent. Um, but either way, I would I would agree because he was up all year last year, so the the 500 projected points might be a little odd. It's also weird that like he's like the 18th ranked second baseman, but he's projected for 500 points. That seems yeah, that seems counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to look at was like where guys went because like his average draft position was 98th in all their mock drafts and Travis got him 97th overall so like that seems reasonable um but I think there's there's also something to be said that like most mock drafts that they do it's 12 teams and our league is 16 so guys will typically go in earlier rounds um so that's why I think like the average draft position is good to look at um because they're you know nine like if it the average draft pick is 98 spots sure the 98th pick is you know earlier rounds for us but it's still 97 players going off the board before them um it also doesn't account for keepers so yeah um so that's like the the big thing that's hard to gauge where it's at um but i know he has a lot of guys projected wise to do a bunch um because I think like he, like he has three guys on his bench that are projected to be in the top 100 for points scored, um, but his pitching is could be good. Um, I think Kevin Gossman is a as a big what if, um, just just because he's not in the NOS anymore, <laughs> um, yeah. he's in the AL East, so could be quite the difference. Uh, but we'll see. I think we'll probably get more into because what? Uh, well, I guess I guess maybe this might be our last show before the season starts, depending on uh, depending yeah, on awesome. yeah, depending I'm on how busy things are. are. Yeah, depending on how busy things are after following following new baby man being brought into the uh, brought into the world. But at the very least, we'll have uh, we'll be back two weeks. And that'll still be in the heart of week one, because week one will be extended week. So we can get in our matchups and stuff then with like kind of where things are at from the opening weekend. Um, but I, I want to say I think we're both projected to win. I think you're projected to win your game. I'm going to go try to trade Trogler, uh Dakota Hudson for Marcus Stroman. Yeah. <laughs> um, real close matchup. You're projected to win by two points right now yeah 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 mine yeah 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 yeah. but yeah um but all in all i i think i there's really not a team that stood out to me that it was like oh man this is a terrible this is a terrible draft like oddly enough like i mean i went through and i looked a lot at a lot of like the projected points and everyone's kind of over the 300s for the opening week which we know why we know why jeff mickey drafted manny machado why is that? Although, I guess for that reason, Pope should have drafted him. Oh, because <laughs> of his t-shirt? Yeah, his t-shirt choices. You know. Yeah, because um, yeah, even like the uh, Psych Steve, who you know we drafted on auto-draft to the, the best of our capability, um, or I did to the best of my ability, really. Um, he's made some moves to, you know, maybe 
Like he's got some points on his bench that he could certainly swap up. But even with that being said, like he's projected to win his matchup. So I feel like it's very hard to have a very shitty starting lineup projection wise to start the season. It's mm-hmm. just, you have guys that are going to underperform. And if you can make the right decisions, you know, and if, when you're aggressive in free agency, I'm hoping that this year I don't have to have the same kind of free agent transactions I did last year, where I think I capped the, like led the league with like 52 paid <laughs> transactions, not to mention free transactions, but I spent like 50 plus bucks in free agent moves. Um, and I did, I had a handful of trades too. So not just free agent moves, but for team transactions, I led the way by like 10 or 15 bucks. So I'm hoping that with the extra picks that I have it, there's not a repeat of that, but, uh, should be good. Um, I think we, I think we match up the, the last week of interleague play, I think, or is it the first week we play? Yeah, we play week eight. So we're the first week of interleague play. Nice. So when we, when I get my first taste of uh, of the teams that made the playoffs last year, I get yep. I get to go with that. And if anyone's curious, Freddy um, Krueger movie on my team again, he'll probably get <laughs> negative points. <laughs> the two picks I got from Chris, so I got Chris's first and fifth round. Both of those players were spent on Yankees uh, and Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton. Right. And Chris also drafted a Yankee with one of my picks. Um, and Kiner Falefa. And then Miguel Sano was your other pick. So we'll we'll pay attention to those guys. I think I might beat you and points for but your picks were way later. <laughs> your picks were way later. So I have to find out like a good way to uh or... to do that. Maybe like the value, like of where they finish. I think he's going to jack like 30 home runs this year. Steal 20 bases. Yeah, I'm for Pretty it. Monster. I'm for it. I would love that. He'll <laughs> he'll drop 50 points on you. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, that week. I never, get, I never get mad when Yankees do well against me. Never get mad. The worst is when guys <laughs> do well against me when they're facing the Yankees. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, agreed. But... Yeah, I think that that covers everything. Um, yeah, well, I guess so. We'll get more into the into some of the stuff next week, but there's some other segments that we're toying around with for through you know to tie in more fantasy. Um, we'll get more mm. into that, but interleague at the ballpark. So Ooh, Chris and yeah, I, have, Chris and I have talked about this in the past. Um, but we have pulled the trigger. Both of us bought the ballpark pass for April. Um, hey. I know, I know we're apparently we're, we're not allowed to go to opening day with yes. the ballpark pass. <laughs> so we won't be at opening no day. Um, but the first game we can't go to is April 9th. I think is what we said it was. Um, it's like a Saturday afternoon game, I think against Pittsburgh. Um, but I think Chris and I are both going to try to do that. Um, and then I imagine there's a strong possibility. We try to get to at least like, one or two games a year or a month, one or two games a year, one or two games a month, uh, just to kind of make it worth the purchase. 
Um, I feel like if we're spending 20 bucks on standing room only tickets for a game, that's fine with me. Um, and I think yeah. it runs like 40 bucks a month with the fee. Um, but we'll try to let everyone know one might be there. So if you have, if you want to pick up senior only tickets and come watch a game with us, you can. Yeah. And we also already have slated uh, all inclusive tickets. Oh, uh, we did. We did. Yeah. Game. Yeah. So. Little, little boys day, a little boys guys. night out. And a bunch of us uh, from the league. Yeah. Yeah. There will be five of us. I think, I think it's just the Walters that aren't. Uh, and Stone. Yeah, Stone, yeah. So five of us. There'll be eight of us. We'll we'll remind everyone it gets closer. You might see us on the TVs. Yep, uh, yep, yep. We'll be out on the the Powerade Bridge. I've never been on. I've never sat on the bridge. So we'll see, it should be cool. Yeah, we're gonna go check out the bridge when we're walking around, finding our cool it's, spots. Uh, right, right near Freeze's Landing, which is new to Bush this year. I mean, it's not. It's renamed Homer's from Homer's Landing, but it's new. It's new. Ooh, speaking of the other, uh, the the deal now for all inclusive was seventy five dollar U and B. Ooh, that's uh, good. That's the that's the more premium too. food, and it's the uh, you can be inside too. AC. Yeah, so those were only into a couple games. There were pirates in, but there was a pirate series and a KC series. Are they still? Because I feel like those are good to get. Like They're April May. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I was I feel like those are good to get when if we want to go to games and like june july august you know mm-hmm. the hot humid we're gonna yeah. sweat 10 pounds you know of we're gonna lose 10 pounds of sweat yeah i'm definitely um, going to disc golf night though so whatever night that is yeah i don't know we'll, if they uh, have one but we're gonna figure it yeah, out we'll have to we'll have to look and see what kind of giveaways they have since we have tickets to all of the yeah, games i've been looking at the giveaways the giveaways are hella tight the first game we're gonna go to is uh adult jersey night oh there you go so it's a uh, wainwright molina adult jersey night they have like a Cardinals purse night coming up quickly after that school purse that I thought Kelly might like. Um, uh, there was like a kid's fleece blanket. There's sounds already, like there's, sounds like some swag giveaway if I've ever heard it. We get an adult purse, it. get it customized with an interleague patch. Yep. We can give that, give that away. You know, to our six yeah. listeners. Yeah. Love you guys. I'll, I'll put it on my gram. <laughs> Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so a lot, lot to look forward to. Um, like we said, some more segments. We might get some guests on. I know we've talked about it before. Um, but we kind of kicked around the idea, either like some weekly matchup type stuff or uh, a match of the week type deal. So we'll we'll talk through it, pro and con it. You know, maybe you guys will hear us hash out the creation sure, of this new, it. yeah, the creation of our new segment on you know as a segment um segments for new segments but uh yeah some should be fun just getting more people involved uh yeah but i think we're good um Mm -hmm. as always appreciate the listen and until next time stay cool peace